welcome to CoinScrum's technical interview series. I'm your host, Nicholas Gregory from Commerce Block. Today it's great to have Jacob Yoakum White, the project lead from Decred. Welcome, Jake. Hi there. Uh, thanks for having me on, Nick. Jake, some of us, some of the CoinScrum regular viewers won't know much about Decred, even though you predate a lot of the networks we've seen emerging, uh, emerge over the last few years. Can you please give us like a TLDR, maybe some insight into the history of Decred? I think everyone likes a kind of an interesting story. I think the story of how Decred came around, the history of Taco Time, that'd be quite in, enjoyable to hear. Sure, sure. I'll, uh, I'll start with just a brief summary of, you know, of what the project is about and, you know, my role in it is. So I'm Jake Yokumpiat. I'm the project lead for the Decred project, and I'm the CEO of a, of a company called Company Zero that, uh, that is a, you know, one of the main contractors for the project. So we build out infrastructure for the project, and I'm sort of in charge of infrastructure building. And the Decred project is an attempt to iterate upon the, you know, the insights of Bitcoin and do it in a way that's, that, that evolves continuously over time. We, we've been fond of saying lately that Decred is money evolved. And what, what, what our goal is, is to take this notion of cryptocurrency as a, you know, a, a way to move the peg forward from uh, traditional fiat banking and, you know, credit systems, move that forward and do it in a way that's secure in the sense that people can't, you know, arbitrate, you know, people can't attack the network by double spending coins. Um, it's adaptable in the sense that features can be added and consensus can be changed on the fly, as opposed to, you know, say, say Bitcoin, where everything's very, 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 very static. And then also so that it's sustainable. And, and in that context, I'm talking about funding the, you know, the work of building out these networks, because it's not cheap to do this. And it's work that has to, you know, uh, be sustained over you know years and years, as I'm sure Nicholas is aware, um, working with Commerce Block. So what we ended up, you know, our sort of uh, legend is this: is that back in 2013, uh, we started a uh, working on a full node Bitcoin implementation from scratch called uh, BTC Suite. And what we had done is is that we saw Bitcoin Core. We really thought the technology was great. We tried to participate with them. We found them, you know, kind of difficult to participate with. So we figured, hey, let's bring some diversity to this ecosystem and start up another full node implementation. We did that. We encountered, you know, we encountered what we what we would describe as governance problems. That is, that it was very much a central planning committee run project. Um, despite the people being obviously very intelligent, it was very much whether you know we were outsiders, they were insiders, and that really didn't work out to our advantage. So we so we sort of ended up moving on from that. So we worked on that from say 2013 till 2016, really. And then um, you know on the side, we started working with uh, you know someone who goes by the pseudonym of Taco Time, and Taco Time uh, started working with us to uh, to to push. Hey, you should really look at this this paper I wrote. And this paper is, um, it was called uh, Memcoin 2. And so in this paper, there, there were a number of things described, but the big idea in the, in the paper that, that really spoke to me was the hybridization of proof of work and proof of stake. That is, you have the proof of work component and the proof of stake component, and they both do separate things. But if you, inter, if you interleave them uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in a sensible fashion, you can actually get something that's greater than individually proof of work and individually proof of stake. You get really good incentive alignment. It solves a lot of problems where, for example, the incentive alignment with proof of work is pretty weak because miners don't have to hold coins. They can just dump it all on the market. And then they still have their power in the, in, in the consensus system. 
And then we blend that with proof of, proof of stake, which is, has strong incentive alignment where you, can't, uh, you, you need to hold the coins in order to have sovereignty in the network. So we blended those two things. And then Taco Time was one of the, uh, you know, was one of the founding developers of, uh, you know, of Monero. So Taco Time had worked on Monero back in early 2014. And I had been working with Taco Time since basically uh, late 2013. And then we decided to sort of embark on this Decred project together as of February 2014, and then it took about two years until February 2016 to launch the network. So, so we went live in February 2016, and you know we're you know we're old school Bitcoin devs, albeit not Bitcoin core devs. Right. So, I mean, how how, would you, how do you plan to compete? Obviously, you know, Bitcoin, especially this year or last year, has very much got that store of value uh, narrative. I mean, you're clearly a competitor to Bitcoin. How would you sell that? Why, why look at Deepred? Well, I think that, you know, just like say there's, you know, different banks out there and they offer different suites of services. Some, you know, some might invest more in one sector than another or, you know, uh, or have um, uh, business, you know, business practices that, that operate one way as opposed to another. I think that the, the view that I take uh, with respect to Bitcoin and Decred is, is that Bitcoin is, is sort of this very, predictable, nearly static thing that people see. And it's as simple as they as simple as it could be made, right? It takes time stamping and turns time stamping into a game. And that, you know, as simple as that is to say in a sentence, there's obviously a lot of technical bits mm -hmm. to implement that. But that is, you know, that's the heart of, of Bitcoin. Now, the reality is, is that the longer you stay in the Bitcoin game and the deeper you get into it, the more you realize that over time, as much as the static rules of Bitcoin, really, they are very well thought out and very well executed, mm -hmm. that there's got to be more to it than simply going, hey, we made everything almost perfect, you know, 10 years ago, let's just leave it as is. I mean, that's exactly how we got to the point where Bitcoin was a thing and was so revolutionary is, is that fiat mm -hmm. banking had, had effectively sat and, you know, sat and calcified fully to the point where, you know, it was a very much rigged game. No one wanted to change it up. No mm -hmm. one wanted to evolve because, you know, they, no one wanted to change the seating order. So Decred is, you know, I feel like Decred is an attempt to, you know, to, to evolve Bitcoin. And as such, you know, there's, there's a lot of value to be extracted from that. So despite the fact that Bitcoin has had these, you know, these big bull runs, mm -hmm. this is a function of the fact that people are just now starting to understand the value proposition of Bitcoin. That is that, hey, it's not fiat currency. Hey, you know, people can't just arbitrarily take your coins and they can't arbitrarily manufacture more of these coins. And mm -hmm. Decred is really a step beyond that to go, listen, there's, there's a number of shortcomings with Bitcoin, like, you know, for example, it's run by a central planning committee. Um, it doesn't change its rules very often. It's effectively static. And then, uh, you know, and then all of the development is it has to be funded by venture capital. And the reason is, is that there's no mechanism to fund the, you know, the, the development needed to, to maintain and optimize and build out this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So Decred is really just trying to move beyond it in a way that, uh, you know, that gets ahead of where things are going, because ultimately, you know, Bitcoin is great, but if it, but if it calcifies just like fiat banking, then, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to evolve beyond it and, and create a new store of value that evolves. So you would say in your word, Decred is kind of like upgradable Bitcoin. It's kind of, <laughs> I guess if there was ever an issue in 256 or there was a major issue with Bitcoin, there would probably be a split. Would you say Decred could handle that, those kind of potential forks in the road or potential issues down the line? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the sort of issues that, that we're built to handle is, 
hey, let's say for whatever reason, Blockstream and all the various venture capitalists who are funding the development of Bitcoin just say, you know, screw it, I don't want to do this anymore. What's going to happen then? It's going to be all, you know, a bunch of unpaid people <laughs> hacking on Bitcoin. And that would be pretty You'd tragic. Like the Coinbase's of the world would pick that up. But I mean, there's no guarantee. <laughs> well, you, you, you would. And they, they do seem to have some, you know, at least moderate level of interest in that context based on prior conversations I've had with people there. But um, it, the, the stability of the, you know, the long-term stability of the network is really something that you have to worry about. And, and currently it exists, because, you know, at the, at, you know, at the, at the leisure and pleasure of, of venture capitalists. And, hey, I think that things are going fine for now, but I mean, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, will it? And, and I feel like that, that's an, you know, an open question. Also, you know, when it comes to determining what changes are supposed to be made in Bitcoin, it really is a central planning committee. And the people who are in, who are in charge are very smart. They're very smart. It's effectively a technocracy. But I mean, you could own a million Bitcoin. You could be Satoshi and you could go, hey, I don't think we should do A, B, or C. And it, does, it really doesn't matter. You have pretty much zero sovereignty as somebody who holds Bitcoin. And that, that just doesn't settle well with me. Like in the context of, say, a nation state, like you're effectively a citizen or a member of a society, but you have no say in how that society evolves as a function of time. I feel like that's not a good long-term configuration. It's rough consensus. I mean, that's the best word to call oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's working. I mean, so, so I mean, you know, you, you guys were one of the first, well, to generate a yield, which I found quite interesting at the time. I mean, and it's funny, like I guess last summer, there was a lot of talk about yield generating assets. Why do you think people haven't really picked up that decred were kind of doing that first and doing that quite some time before everyone else? I think that um, the the yield, the thing that's hot about the yield generation right now with, with DeFi uh, is that it, it effectively allows people to, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm, just, I'm not going to pull any punches here, is, is that DeFi exactly. allows people to create a, uh, a mirage of liquidity. So mm-hmm. you can take a completely garbage token and then go, hey, let's uh, make an automated market maker contract for this. Then people can show up, deposit money, and then get yield. And then when they get yield, they can also, you know, they can also, uh, uh, what is it, um, profit from the appreciation of the underlying token. So, so it's like a, it's like a double dip. Not only are they getting say, you know, uh, like yield in, in terms of some token, that token is appreciating because they've created a, 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 a Potemkin village of liquidity. And then people are like, whoa, look at this. I'm going to put my money in this too. And it's all gravy while it's going up. And then as soon as it starts going down, well, that's when things get interesting. And then the longer term, the, you know, the other issue with that is, is that you're in, you end up having to pay people to, you know, make the market effectively. And that's not sustainable unless you're basically inflating constantly to pay them. And it's like, so, so I feel like that's why, you know, we aren't really regarded in the, uh, in the yield uh, conversation context uh, as like really notable in the context of DeFi. Now, would you say, I mean, obviously, I, I do understand Decred a bit. That yield comes from people doing proof of stake, essentially. Would you say that weakens the security of Decred because you're not giving all the kind of like mining rewards to, to the miners? I think that um, when it comes to subsidies and cryptocurrency networks and, you know, consensus systems, mm. what it really comes down to is, is, is that you really should be proof of work. If we look at proof of work, what is proof of work doing? Proof of work is saying, if you do this useful thing that is verifiable by everyone else, cryptographically verifiable, then you get paid. And I feel like proof of stake is just a variation on that, where instead of the useful thing you're doing is providing this hashing power so that people can't double spend and, you know, timestamps are reliable. With proof of stake, you're, you're, you're saying, hey, I hold these coins and I approve of what's going on here on this 
Bitcoin's chain. And that is useful in the sense that that acts as effectively a second authentication factor to prevent, you know, shenanigans on the proof of work sites. Mm -hmm. So if for whatever reason there was like an incentive breakdown or collusion or, you know, people trying to manipulate things via proof of work, proof of stake can step in and go, whoa, 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 whoa we're putting a stop to that because that's acting against our interests as coin holders. And I feel One like- the issues we're seeing with proof of stake, I mean, obviously there's a few staking projects out, is most of the people just leave it on the exchange and the exchange becomes the staker. Is that not a concern or how or does it, Decred do with that? It's not as much of a concern with with, with Decred. And and I think part of the reason that you see these, um, these effectively an exchangeocracy of several of these uh, staking protocols or you know, staking coins is that they have a proof of stake algorithm that is uh, what is it? Delegated proof of stake. So, for example, anything that involves elections to elect to elect block producers, like say EOS, and uh, I know there's several others that do a similar thing, like Steemit. There's a whole bunch of these things that, uh, that use uh, delegated proof of stake. And when you're delegating the proof of stake, whoever has all the coins is the one who can delegate it. And then what what you also see is there's also there's that, and so unless you have a certain mass or critical mass, you can't become a block producer. So if you're an exchange, of course you have all these coins and then, oh, you can, you can become a block producer not without a, without a whole lot of work. And then the other component is really the, the, the lockup component, which is that a lot of proof of stake systems involve you demonstrating you having the coins then the coins underneath become completely liquid, right? You know, it's like, oh, I have a thousand whatever coins. And then you can use that to participate in their staking system. And then you can go spend those thousand coins at the casino or, you know, mm -hmm. on a house or whatever it is you want to do. With Decred, you can't do that. You can't, you can only, uh, you, if, you, if you participate in the staking system, you lock up those coins and then they are, they are held for a pseudo random amount of time. So that mm -hmm. prevents a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, hey, I'm going to go to the casino with other people's money games that you see with delegated proof of stake and also these ones where it's where where even if it's not delegated it's effectively like liquid proof of stake like that you know we, we don't do that it's effective the skin in the game that you have instead of you having to buy mining equipment is you lock your coins up for a pseudo random amount of time i can see that so i mean obviously we talked about how decred is funded um decred did fund a dex this year i mean last year which is uh what led to that decision i guess that's maybe many people would see that's kind of maybe slightly out of the realm of what a cryptocurrency should be building, you know, basically building competitor to essentially central exchanges, centralized exchanges. But yeah, what led to that decision to build your own DEX? Well, what led to this decision was we encountered a lot of friction when we would, when exchanges would either approach us or we would ex approach exchanges about getting listings, which is that, you know, exchanges want to make money. They want fees. They want, uh, they want listing fees. They mm -hmm. want you know, trading fees. So it's like, in addition to all of these trading fees, which they should be able to use to make, you know, to make profit for themselves, they end up asking for a listing fee and the listing fees in some of some cases they were pretty, you know, they're mild. They're a few thousand dollars or whatever. In some cases it's hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that these people want. And that really never settled well with me, uh, you know, and, and the same thing went for a lot of the members of the project, which is that asking for all of this money to be listed on exchanges when, you know, when it's just like, oh, you're just going to add my coin. It's like, that's maybe a few thousand dollars worth of dev work um, never really settled with us. So we decided to, you know, make our own decks. And the idea here was that you can't get delisted from something that's, you know, not a centralized business. So if you can just flip on a server and run a server and then also have it be non-custodial, that is you and I can exchange and neither, no third party has to have custody over our coins except us, 
that's a big win. And it allows us to basically build infrastructure that's permanent as opposed to going, oh, we paid a million dollars to get listed here. I hope we don't get delisted. Yeah, so one of the things, I mean, originally I think DEXs were kind of slow to take off. Last year we saw Uniswap, I think at one point, overtake um, Coinbase. But one of the issues I've seen with these kind of DEXs is, is now the miners become very powerful. I think there was a report yesterday that maybe 50% of Ethereum transactions aren't taken from the mempool. So clearly they're able to like maybe paint the tape front run. I mean, that's kind of maybe a new thing we're seeing in the Ethereum type DEXs. I, I don't know if that's an issue for the, the Bitcoin ones like BISC and HODL HODL. I mean, how would you counter that? How would you stop, say, Decred miners potentially reordering transactions or painting the tapers per se? Well, the good, the good part is, is that we've already engineered that part out. Um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to uh, DEXs, a lot of the ones that are Ethereum, the, Ethereum DEXs of various flavors are on-chain DEXs. So they have an on-chain order book, on-chain order matching, and on-chain settlement. In our case, what we do is we only do on-chain settlement. That is that the matching and the order book maintenance is done off-chain. And what that does is, so the way it works, right, is, is that if I want to front run an on-chain uh, DEX, what I would do is, I, is, let's say I'm a high-frequency trader, like, I don't know, uh, 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 that, that, that trading outfit that starts with a J here in Chicago, whose name I won't say. Um, let's say I wanted to front run somebody, I would collude with, with a mining farm uh, that mines Ethereum, and I would say, "Hey, I want to front run market A, B, and C. So that means I need I'm going to pay I'm going to pay you to to mine my transactions, uh, and not mine other transactions ahead of them. So that what that allows them to do is that they can they can get orders booked on you know on the on chain order book before you know before other people, and then that also means they can get matched against standing orders on the on-chain order book before other people. So as, as saw, uh, when, when that matching and the order book maintenance are done on-chain, they can be gained and front run uh, you know, via mining, just like you were pointing out. The way DEX handles this is that everything's off-chain. So we started with a centralized server. And the reason we did that is because adding the server mesh, it adds complexity. So we started with a centralized server it's non-custodial, and, and then the matching the ordering is done. It's all done transparently. So people commit to values. They, you know, they hash the values they commit to. Those commitments, which are the hash values, get, get sent in. And then when the matching occurs, everyone uh, reveals their commitment value, and then the matching occurs pseudo-randomly. So that way, no, no one within a, within a given epoch, a given span of time, can, can guarantee that they're going to execute before other people. So front running, you know, you can't completely get rid of it, but you can drastically dilute it and make it, a lot, make it much, much harder to pull off. And that's, what we, that's, what, that's the way we've approached the problem. So I guess this is non, totally non-custodial then at that point. So. Exactly. If it's relying on atomic swaps, I guess there's, you're going to have to wait for commitment on the Bitcoin blockchain and then a commitment from the Decred blockchain. So this is really not useful for kind of low latency trading. It's more kind of... That's, that's right. And, and we also have like a, a relatively high lot size. Our lot size currently is 40 Decred and that's like, I don't know, $50 a Decred. That's like $2,000 lot size. So mm. lot size is, you know, it's, 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 it's roughly on par with financial markets. It's thousands of dollars for a lot. Yeah and um or fiat financial markets and what we then do is that uh when it comes to when it comes to swapping you know one side publishes publishes the first part of the swap the other side publishes the second part and then and then you know when it comes to the redemption both you know both parties uh execute like that and and the way that it ends up going is is that 
you we've done away with per trade fees. There are no per trade fees on the decks. The only fees are the on-chain fees to execute the atomic swap. So instead of it being, you know, it's like two transactions on each chain where each each person is paying for one transaction on each chain. So for example, if it's a decred Bitcoin pair, it would be me paying for one uh, decred transaction, me paying for one Bitcoin transaction and vice versa for the counterparty. At some point, the Bitcoin transaction fees may, may make this DEX hard to use. Is that that we've in fact we've already seen that with with the recent bull run right because you know I mean anybody who's who's watched the Bitcoin market and, and goes like oh why isn't my transaction getting mined and it's like okay it's buried there's like 150,000 transactions under you know on top of it with higher fees that has happened and so and so we've had to adapt to that so so we're actually in the process of adding uh you know logic that handles that automatically. So the hope is probably within a few months, we would have logic that goes, oh, wow, my, you know, my uh, on-chain transaction fee wasn't high enough. It's getting buried. That then uh, you would bump the fee for the tran for that transaction and it would be at least nominally automatic. And just like you're pointing out, sometimes the fees do get crazy. So the reason we chose the lot size of 40 DC or 40 decred is to try to make the fee, I don't know, one percent or under but when the fees surge sometimes it can become two or three percent but that also creates incentives to do things like if you're buying a lot of you know a lot of anything on the decks you would buy larger much larger uh you would match much larger orders like i don't know instead of matching 40 decred you might match 400 and then you bring the you bring you can bring the fees down quite a bit if you you know if you're if you're operating uh like that and did you plan to list any stable points i guess having a, a usd pairing with decred would probably be quite interesting for you guys. I mean, is that something? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, having having stablecoin pairs would be great. But one of the one of the, you know there, there's caveats. Every time, as much as people think when people see stablecoins, they think it's simple because it's stable. But the irony is, is that stablecoins are anything but simple. You know, there's really two ways that these the, these things are, are built. In one case, you have uh, you know. In one case, you have people who custody the asset, then issue tokens. Like, you know, Coinbase can issue USDC by, you know, Coinbase is reliable. They can go, hey, I got a million dollars. Here's a million dollars of USDC. And you, you have pretty a pretty good, uh, you, you, you can be confident that USD exists. And you have confidence that you can swap that thing around and settle out and settle in with the USDC. And then similar, you know, at least... I guess similarly with Tether, <laughs> but you know that's that's a there's a lot of debate on the on the on the Tether. How about a stable coin backed by Decred? I mean, would would that be something you guys look at? Well, I was actually going to touch on that, right? Which is that <laughs> as, it, which is that as much as you know. Okay, so there's the custody stable coins. Then there's also the uh, uh, there's also the, the synthetic stable coins. Like uh, it's like it's it's like DAI right. and Maker, right? Right. So those those synthetic stable coins are more complex because you. have have to have uh, there has to be all kinds of mechanisms for, to adjust rates up and down and so on in order to maintain the stability of the peg. So doing those kinds of stable coins is challenging from a uh, you know from a technical perspective. Maybe we'll see one on Decred, but it's for me it's always been a complexity trade off. I was I was asked to I was asked what I thought about stable coins in 2013, and I said. I think it's cool. I think it has legs, but there's an incentive problem for me if I were to do a stable coin, which is like, okay, so what, what do I get? Yeah. And then the other problem is that uh, it's, it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you plan to grow liquidity? I mean, I mean liquidity is obviously the, the key thing for any exchange. Do you have any plans to incentivize that? I mean, well, what we've had is we've actually had a fair amount of action on the decks. It isn't just a ghost town. So, so there's been a lot of buying on the decks and, you know, that's good to see. Not a whole lot of selling, but a whole lot of buying. And um, 
in terms, you know, in terms of incentivizing liquidity, uh, you know, my goal is is really to just, uh, you know, create liquidity between uh, the DEX and, say, you know, Binance or other major exchanges, and do that with an eye to creating sort of a liquidity pool across all of these things, as opposed to really trying to, you know, I don't know, say having a trading competition on the decks. We don't really roll like that because there's no fees. We're not really making any money. We're not getting any listing fees. So we can't really incentivize people to come to the casino. But what we can do is we can say, listen, this is a, this is a effectively a casino that never closes. It's exceptionally fair. We're not making money on you. And we're doing this because this is the right way to run a casino as opposed to, you know, the, the way a lot of other shops have been run. Mm-hmm. And do you have any concerns about, you know, obviously you're based in the US, uh, you know, the upcoming regulation, would that be something you'd have to embed to, so that people could use this in the US potentially? Or The the impression I was given, uh, you know, uh, I make a point to episodically read the FinCEN, uh, you know, the FinCEN and other regulatory uh, letters. I feel like there's a huge, a huge amount of misrepresentation in the context of these, uh, in the context of these uh, letters and opinions and, uh, and, uh, you know, proposed regulations. As to the best of my knowledge, what I what I was to understand is is that there would be a regulation that uh, attempts to requ- that requires centralized cu- you know custodial exchanges to confirm that the address that, that that people withdraw to is theirs. That is that they would attest and go, this address is mine. Because there's no that we we never have custody. We can't force people to do any of that. So this, you know, from a regulatory perspective, I think that, you know, at least for now, DEXs are still, uh, you know, are still acceptable because they don't have a, you know, a custodian. And and it seems like, uh, you know, it was, I want to say it's the May 2019 FinCEN, uh, you know, FinCEN, uh, I always forget what it is. It's like a opinion. They have a bunch of uh, opinions on mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. And uh, that, that PDF has a section that ex- explicitly exempts uh, decentralized exchanges from from basically all of the regulations that they propose, where they're like, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to report this, you have to report that, but not if it's a DEX, because a DEX is effectively, it's it's private business between citizens. So you and I could swap, and it's, you know, there's no person who can run away with our money. Do you think that's the key to basically design systems so it's no different than me and you meeting at the local bar and me shouting, hey, do you want to buy some decred and you say yes. And if you design like a, a kind of more than a bulletin board approach, decentralized, that's that's the future. That's how we're going to get out of this kind of like funky regulation. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really, that's what people are allowing, you know, simply by not banning Bitcoin, uh, nation states are allowing that kind of peer to peer, you know, money transfer to happen. And it happens and it's not, you know, it's not the threat that, that many people make it out to be. And it really is, in my view, the future. That is, you know, t- to date, all, what, what Bitcoin does a lot more than this, but one of the key things that Bitcoin does is it makes the network non-custodial. So, you know, two people can interact and send things back and forth without a third party going, hey, I wanted, uh, hey, I don't like you, or you're on the bad guy list and taking your things. And then I think that non-custodial uh, sort of, uh, you know, component can be lifted and repurposed. We've already repurposed it for proof of stake. We've repurposed it now for DEX. Um, we've also repurposed it for privacy. So, so this this non-custodial, uh, you know, uh, network is key to what I view as sort of the future of finance. Okay, thanks, Jay. On that note, th- thanks for your time.